We're back at Kalix Cafe and Willy Mulhausen from Safira is back with us for a second chat with me. And today he's going to talk to us about his PhD in artificial intelligence applied to EPRO. I really can't wait. We're back at Kelix Cafe and today I am welcoming someone who already joined us for season one, Willy Mulhausen. Hi Willy, how are you today? Fine, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, so last time we could see like your what, the view from your back garden, I think, uh, as your background, but it doesn't look the same today. What is it? No, um, I used to mix things up a little bit. So my son decided that I need to have a Minecraft background with my company logo in it. So he built me the company logo in the back with his blocks. And uh, I just put that up as a background today. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. Um, and I mean, I'll invite everyone who's watching to watch the first uh, season episode if you want to learn more about uh, Willie's experience. I think uh, we... Uh, can go straight into it today. Uh, but obviously, you have a lot, a lot of experience in EPRO or ECOA. And last time, you you told us about uh, a PhD that you were about to start. So I'd really love to talk to you more about it today. Sure, thank you. So yeah, a couple of years ago, I. Um... I ran across uh, my university group in Dublin City University with Timo Swart, the professor uh, that do a lot of good research in uh, basically how to use AI and machine learning in, in daily living. So I then worked with them on a couple of projects and decided to do my own PhD and see how I can apply some of the stuff that we learned there, some of the algorithms that we develop in uh, clinical research, specifically in uh, uh, ECOA basically. So started that a couple of years ago and uh, that's that's what we're doing right now. Okay, and what part of AI are you looking into in that PhD? So um, <clears throat> what we do in ECOA quite often is that we have alerts and alarms and ECOA actually really works well when we help patients to be compliant, uh, basically to, to alert them to the fact that the time window has opened and that they have to now enter uh, some data, uh, basically answering some questionnaires. Um, and what we always talk about when we talk about being more patient centric is that we need to understand what is the patient's journey. So how do they get through their day? What is a good time for us to ask them a couple of questions or observe their behavior? And what I liked about machine learning specifically is that it's really good in detecting patterns. Um, so we had to come up with a way to detect patterns that would allow us to find the right time to alert the patient to talk about uh, themselves basically. And, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're building right now. So we had different approaches to that, but ultimately what we want to do is um, develop a machine learning engine that understands based on patient's prior feedback and prior timing of the feedback, when is a good day or when is a good time within a specific time window 
um, that's been given in the protocol to alert the patient. So for example, if we know that a patient um, always answers the questionnaire, let's say the time window from 6 to 11 a.m. and they always do it at 8.30, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, but Thursday and Friday they do it at 10 a.m. Still within the time window, but a different time. The system will over time learn and understand that every patient has a specific profile and based on that profile, we will send the alerts. There's no point in annoying patients at seven in the morning when they're still asleep or when they still have a lie-in or otherwise they're busy. Um, if we can understand and learn that there are certain sweet spots, ideal times for them to answer the questionnaire. So we're, we're just trying to be more patient-centric by providing the feedback to the patient and ask them to do something at a time that is convenient for them. I love hearing that you, because everyone talks about patient centricity at the moment, but you found such a practical uh, way of looking at it and, and trying to make collecting data very specific to each patient behavior. That sounds really, really interesting. Um, and do you know if we use a similar way of uh, alerting consumers, not necessarily in clinical trials, but alerting consumers based on their behaviors or patterns? Like, is it used currently already? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that I read somewhere that there are other areas on the consumer research side or probably on the branding and on the on the advertising side where that is happening. So, for example, we're focusing right now for now on the timing of the responses. So when do patients actually respond to the request to answer a questionnaire? But we're also looking into other things so we can use geolocation. So, for example, if the patient walks into a hospital, we should be able in the future to know that. And if that patient is on a clinical trial, he walks in the hospital, it's not a visit day, then there must be some other thing. Could be an adverse event. Uh, could be visiting somebody. We don't know that. But at least we would know that there's something happening from a geolocation point of view. So we can do that. Um, another thing is interesting uh, is, for example, uh, activity levels. So we can equip patients with a Fitbit, for example, or any other of these actigraphy devices. And based on their activity levels, whether they're too active uh, after surgery or if they are not active enough after surgery, it depends on how it is, we can measure and ob observe activity levels. And based on the activity levels, we can also trigger al alerts. And ultimately, we can bring it all together. We can look at the timing of the alerts, the activity levels, the geolocation, um, and um, there's other things that we haven't even thought of yet, I'm sure. Um, and the good news is that by using a machine to observe all of that and detect patterns and do it uh, basically automatically, um, we can be doing this not on a cohort basis, but we can actually do it individually for each patient individually. And this this is the exciting stuff, as you say, everybody talks about and we're all trying to be more patient centric. Um, but we're always looking for ways to make life, being in a clinical trial and life in a clinical trial easier. I've, I've interviewed plenty of patients who keep telling us how difficult it is, how much extra work it is for them to be in a clinical trial. Um, and we think we found a way to make it a little bit easier for patients to be in the clinical trial and still increase basically the compliance and therefore hopefully the data quality as well. Which would be a win-win situation for the sponsor and the patient, uh, which sounds very, very good indeed. Um, you, so you, you mentioned, uh, like, for, for example, using geolocation, uh, but 
Would there be any regulatory issues, for example, with using like patient data that, that can locate them? Yes, there is, but it depends on how you apply that. But basically, yes. So we always have to be aware of, uh, you know, data privacy uh, laws and data privacy issues. Um, so we, we definitely need to be um, aware of that. I need to facilitate that. But when I say geolocation, the example was working in a hospital. That That's one particular example where we have geofencing. So we know exactly where they are and if they cross a line to go into a hospital, for example. But sometimes we have other projects where we are not really that interested in where they specifically are, but we're interested how far away they are from their home base, for example. So how far do they walk away from their home base? Um, how long are they away from their home base? Um, how often a day do they walk away from their home base? So these are parameters that where we don't really need to know where they specifically are, but we need to know the distance from where they live. Um, and that would be good enough. So we don't need to know where they live. We have that as a blinded anchor point, but then we know they walked away for 10 minutes or they walked away three miles or two miles or half a mile, two blocks, whatever it is. And these things uh, can be very helpful as well to understand patients' behavior um, uh, and allow us to basically detect patterns again to then basically ask the patient or trigger a questionnaire. So if they go past the threshold, they walk more than three blocks from their house, for example, then that can trigger a questionnaire saying, hey, how are you feeling? You know, quite an achievement. You walked away from your house, you know, sort of your secure environment, whatever the, the therapeutic areas, whatever the question is that is interesting to us. But these are kind of triggers where we're trying to make two things. We're trying to make it easier for patients, but also trying to put context around the questionnaire and the answers that patients give us. So it's not just you answer the 10 questionnaires, but we know when, why, and how they answer these questionnaires at that time. Yeah, and I imagine that that could become also very encouraging for the patient if you, like, if they have feedback from, uh, well, the app, for example, that they've gone further than, than what they did in the past. Well, that sounds amazing, uh, and I'm sure you're very, very interested in what you're doing. Um, so, I mean, I asked you last time what you'd like to see in 10 years in, in, the, in clinical trials. So, um, I, I want to ask you maybe a bit uh, more precise question this time uh, to close our interview. Like, where would you like to take this? Like, if you, if you could do anything you can with it or anything you want, where would you like to take this? So we're working within the, the university to develop these algorithms and develop an operational model so that we can operationalize that. Um, so I would hope that uh, sometime next year we're ready to partner with some uh, ECOA vendors and sponsors to basically use this technology um, in addition or on top of or to support the existing ECOA technology um, and run that in a bigger trial to just see, probably a couple of small ones, but a bigger trial next year to see if that really works and if it helps. Um, we've done some very small work and we think it will work, so we've got some really encouraging results, but I would like to take that out into the market next year to to play with that with, with, um, with some of the ECOA vendors and sponsors, yes. Well, as soon as next year, that's amazing. Yeah, it won't be beginning of next year, but let's say Q3 next year, I think we're ready. Great, great. Well, I can't wait to, to see that. And I think, I feel like you'll need to come back again when, uh, when you've seen it running. <laughs> yeah, and I'll bring a new background then as well. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. 
Um, well, that's all uh, for us today. Thank you all for joining uh, us at Calix Cafe. Uh, another really interesting uh, chat with Willie. Uh, Willie, it's been amazing. Thank you for coming back. Uh, and I can't wait to have you back for season three. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thanks for my cortado today. <laughs> thank you.